Well, if you're just joining us, welcome. We are in this series called the Gospel of Mark. That's where we're in right now. I said, John, a few weeks ago, we're in the Gospel of Mark. It's good for me to know where we're at. And uh, I'm enjoying Mark. There's 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's been just really cool to go through this chapter. We're not going through every single verse. We probably would spend a couple of years doing that if we did that. But we're looking at certain uh, stories in each chapter, and today we're in in chapter 8. So thank you for being a part of this service. My prayer is you hear a word from the Lord. That's my prayer is you just hear a word from the Lord. Nothing else really matters, guys, unless you hear a word from the Lord. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for Pastor Nick and, and, and the whole worship team. I mean, I'm really grateful for them. They're just amazing, amazing people. But Pastor Nick shared uh, on his own a little bit about the goodness of God, that song that we sang. Isn't that a great song? Don't you just love that song? It's just... Uh, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I recognize his goodness. Don't you recognize his? I mean, he is gracious and merciful, even in spite of us so many times. And I recognize that. But I, I love the lyrics, in all my life you've been faithful, and all my life you've been so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, think about that. You know, do you, do, do you use your breath to worship God? Do you use your breath to thank God, to use your breath to, uh, to cry out to God. Well, you know, what do you use your breath for? I remember um, the early days of uh, Thorn Creek, and I feel like this is one of the best pictures that signifies the early days of Thorn Creek Church. You know, we, uh, we, we were in, uh, gosh, can you believe, guys, in April 20, that's actually Easter weekend, we're going to make 19 years on this in the, as a church. That's crazy. When, uh, when we started Thorn Creek Church, my wife and I, and, and my son was two years old at the time, my daughter came later, but there were seven other churches within a half a mile of Thorn Creek. Within a half a mile of Thorn Creek, seven, they're all gone. They're all gone, and for various reasons. But I, I look at this picture, and I just think of like perseverance, and, and I, think, <laughs> I think of trials and challenges, but I, I, I remember so, many, so much. I remember when we were just starting Thorn Creek, we needed about $20,000. None of you were around at the time, and nobody was giving. We were running, I guess, three people, and that was it. <laughs> and, and we needed $20,000. I remember, I remember emailing a business friend of mine who I knew was a believer and telling him, hey, we need... And, and I was going to put 20, I think it was $22,000, and I was going to ask for 20. And the Lord checked me and said, Reuben, ask for what you need. So I went ahead and changed, and I actually went to 20, I think I went 22 or 25, something like that, because I knew we needed a little bit more. And I sent it off to him, and literally within seven minutes, he replied and said, Reuben, I'm sending a check of $25,000 to help you out. Uh, we needed that money for audio equipment. We, 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 you know, we, needed, we needed money to do that. And I think about that, and I think about how God went before us over and over and over. I can spend hours telling you how God provided for us. I mean, it was, it was incredible how God just went. Uh, we needed stage lights, and we didn't have any money for stage lights. And I heard of a church. Um, up in Fort Collins that had this theater ministry that no longer was doing this theater ministry. It was like a dinner and a show kind of thing that they used to do. And uh, they heard about uh, uh, me starting the church, and they said, hey, Reuben, why don't you come on up here, and we have a closet 
of stage lights and we don't know what to do with them and you can have them if you want them. So I went ahead and went up there and sure enough, I, he opened up this closet and he said, these, these stage lights are all just sitting here and they had like rust on them and they needed some love and I had to spray paint, but they came from a university, Point Loma University in San Diego, California. And somehow this church got them and he gave us these stage lights and I just used a can of black spray paint, sprayed it all down and put them up kind of thing. And it's like God just provided. I, I, I remember that. I, I remember uh, the time when we were we were setting up and tearing down and, you know, for nine, nine years, we just kind of grew like crazy. And then all of a sudden we became portable. How many of you have ever been part of a portable church? Setting up and tearing down, there's like a, a, a jewel in heaven just for you. I just want you to know that. You endured. So we would set up on Saturday afternoon and set, do church on Saturday night, and then we would do church on Sunday morning, both services. So that, God bless those volunteers. We'd meet in, in Starbucks, and we'd do all that stuff. But I, I'll never forget the day when it was Saturday, and it was like 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock services at 6. It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and one of our pastors told me, Reuben, our trailer has been stolen. Anybody remember that? And I remember thinking, oh my word. And then I, my first thought was, you know, Jesus didn't have a PA system. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> but God just provided, and thank God we had insurance that helped out. So it was like Christmas two weeks later. But in the middle of that, you know, you think, gosh, this is something that's happening. And, 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 and you know, what's going to happen kind of thing. And, and I think when you go through problems uh, and you have an opportunity to experience God, in a way that you maybe you never, never have before. Um, do you remember that time when God moved in your life? Do you remember that time when maybe God saved you? Maybe you, you ran across Jesus. Do you remember the day you turned to Jesus? Do you remember experiencing God's presence? That moment when you were in your car, or maybe it was at church, or maybe it was on a run, wherever you were at, do you remember sensing the presence of God? Do you remember crying like a baby because you sensed the presence of God in your life? Do you remember that time when God like undeniably answered your prayer? Do you remember that time when maybe God called you to ministry. Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment when you experienced the forgiveness and mercy of God? Do you have memories of those moments in your life? Well, let me say this. If you're not a Christian, I am so glad you're coming to Thorn Creek Church. I'm so glad you're watching because God wants you to know his grace and his love. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that you could know the grace and mercy of God and experience a relationship with our living God. And God wants to walk with you. Jesus loves you and Jesus wants to walk with you and you're not here on purpose. You're not watching by accident. You're not here on purpose. You're here on purpose. You're not here by accident. So I want to encourage you to turn to Jesus with all your heart. God has never let me down. We're in Mark chapter eight, guys. This is an incredible, incredible story. This is one of those passages that I'm not sure I would preach about if I wasn't walking through the chapter. So we're going, to read, um, we're going to read a few verses, but I'm going to ask you to stand up. Can you do that in honor of God's word? It's a great word in, in Mark chapter 8, beginning of verse 1. It says, about this time, another large crowd had gathered, and, and the people ran out of food. Say again with me. Say again. Again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here, for, been here with me for three days, and, and, and they don't have any, nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, 
how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? This um, sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Verse 5, Jesus asked, how, how much bread do you have? And how many loaves do they have? How many? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the, how many loaves? Seven loaves. Thank God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed those uh, these and told the disciples to distribute them. <clears throat> and let's, uh, let's read that first sentence in verse 8 together. They ate as much as they wanted. Isn't that a good, that, I mean, that's a good dinner, isn't it? When you at a place and you eat as much as you want. So afterward, the disciples picked up, oh, how many large baskets? Seven large baskets. I'm sorry, how many large baskets did he pick up? Of leftover food. There were about... 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. 4,000. This is not the feeding of the 5,000. This is the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 was a miracle that happened earlier. So this is a few miracles after that. This is the feeding of the 4,000. Verse 10 says, immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dal Dalmanitha. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Hmm. Amazing miracle. On the heels of the miracles, you have these guys. Verse 12, when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign. I tell you the truth, I will, not give the, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. Isn't that interesting? The people who were complainers and whatever, and he just left them. Verse 14 says, but the disciples, oh, this is important, let's read it out loud, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. All right. They had only one loaf of bread. Oh, how many bread? How many loaves, guys? One loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't bought, brought any bread. <clears throat> Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? And then I want to read this last part out loud. Don't you remember anything at all? Say, let's do it one more time. Don't you remember anything at all? There it is. That's the message. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftover did you pick up afterward? 12, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. Well, Lord, open up our eyes. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive your word. Break through walls, Lord. Break through walls. 
move through this screen where people are watching online, God, and, and move through walls of pride and arrogance and fear and whatever it is, God, and hurt, whatever it is, and even evil. Would you just move through every wall, Lord, in Jesus' name? We just uh, cry out to you, God. And Lord, I also want to cry out to you over uh, Ukraine and everything that's happening there, God. It's just a mess. And I know in this world there's going to be problems and chaos and wars. And it's just hard, Lord, sometimes on this side of heaven to see this stuff. But would you go? Would you move through this terrible thing, God? I pray for a revival of your spirit to break out, maybe even in Europe because of this. Maybe even unify our churches across the world in Jesus' name. Do whatever you want, God. And Lord, may your spirit work in me and through me. Help me to have a laser-focused perspective of you, Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on you, Jesus. And by your grace, may your Holy Spirit work in me and through me. According to Isaiah 61, Lord, may anoint this message, God. And move in hearts. Change hearts. And if that's your desire, just shout out, start with me. Can you just say that? That's your Thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to the person while you're sitting down or tell, turn to the person next to you and tell them don't forget. Can you do that? And then you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Tell them don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Say it out loud with me. Say don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Uh, uh, um, <clears throat> the title of today's message is Don't Forget What God Has Done. And when you read this story, just to kind of summarize it a little bit, you have this, uh, this picture of the disciples, and, and uh, they're experiencing, this is the feeding of the 4,000, and they, they all were there at the feeding of the 5,000, and by this point, there's probably 30 plus miracles that, that Jesus has done before this miracle. So, so they, it's a very familiar setting, how many, how many loaves do we have, how many fish do we have, and okay, have everyone sit down in groups. I mean, it's really, really sounds familiar, and, and uh, the difference between the two, incidentally, was the feeding of the 5,000 was at another location, and the feeding of the 4,000 is at another location. The feeding of the 5,000 was by the Sea of Galilee, and, and right around that area, most of those people were Jews, Hebrews. They were Jews. Feeding of the 4,000 is at a whole different location. It's, it's by this region known as Decapolis, and there's Gentiles in this area. So there's two different miracles, two different locations, two different people groups, and the disciples are there, and they just experienced this thing, and they picked up seven large baskets of leftovers, and, um, and they distributed that, right? And the scripture said, when they get back into the boat, and I don't know how long it is, and they're in the boat, but eventually, they look around, and they realize, we only have one loaf of bread. Well, what happened with the seven large baskets of leftovers. Have you ever been somewhere and you like forgot the leftovers at the restaurant or something like that? Or maybe you were at a friend's house and they said, hey, take whatever you want. And you said, nah, it's all good. I don't need anything. And then you go back home and you open up your refrigerator and you're like, oh my goodness, I should have take, I should have brought those leftovers. What did I do? That's what the disciples are going through. They, they experience that. Now they're tired and they're hungry. So what kind of mood do you think they're in? What kind of mood are you in when you're tired and hungry? And they've experienced this. And Jesus asked them, you know, they're, they're upset about this. And they argue and they're upset and this kind of thing. And Jesus asked them this one question, verse 18. says, don't you remember anything at all? So as I looked at this passage, this right here 
is the phrase that the Lord showed me that just jumped off the page. I didn't know fully what it all meant. So as I, as I researched this one phrase right here, God just showed me so much. But the question is, don't you remember anything at all? What is Jesus talking about? Now, you might think, oh, this is like, you know, like, you know, don't you remember where you put your keys? That's not what this is about. That's not what this verse is about. It's not about, don't you remember where your coffee cup is? Or don't you remember where your jacket's at? Or it's, this, is not the, this is not the core of this question. Don't you remember anything at all? Does anybody have a bad memory in the house? Anybody struggle with memory here in the house? You know, me too sometimes. Anybody have a great memory? Uh, anybody have a great memory? Anybody have a great memory? Um, I'll just tell you, the people who have bad memories don't like to be with people who have good memories because they're always telling them what they missed or what they did or what they did wrong or whatever it is. And really, there's no proof of it. It's just your word. And you just, you're just like, okay, I guess so. Grace always says that I remember the important things. That's what she says. And there's a little bit of truth to that. God have mercy on me. But I, I looked at this word remember, and you know what it means? It means to be mindful of, to remember, to call to mind. To think of and feel for a person or thing, to hold in memory, keep in mind. That's what it means. Maybe you're not surprised. Here's what's something that might surprise you. Did you know in the Old Testament, in our Hebrew writings, there is no direct word for the word history? Did you know that? There's no direct word for the word history in the Hebrew language. When you look at in, in the Old Testament and, and you try to find that, it's just, not, it's just not there. And this is important because remember what Jesus' question was? He says, don't you remember anything at all? He didn't say, like, what does the history book say? He said, don't you remember anything at all? History is made up of some objective facts. And history is something that I wasn't a part of, right? And we have history. There are some significant events. The Vietnam War, that's history. The Gulf War, JFK assassination, MLK assassination, 9-11. I mean, those are some historic events. But for most of these, I wasn't there in person. But I can read about it. Jesus said, don't you remember at all? Don't you remember? In the Hebrew culture, the word history is not used. And you, Jesus used this word remember instead. Um, here's, I, I ran across some wonderful stuff here. This is, comes from a, a Jewish rabbi. And he said, there is a profound difference between history and memory. History is his story. An event that happened sometime else to someone else. Memory is my story. Something that happened to me and is part of who I am. Memory is the past as present and as it lives on in me. So we, we have that. I mean, we talk about history books and talk about a historical event, and, and you can talk about it. But you know what? Let's talk about your memory, your life experience, that time of joy or hurt or pain. And you know what? It is personal now, isn't it? Because you were there. 
right? That's your story. That's your memory. You were there. And in the Jewish view, the past also exists in the present. If we're all just going to put on our hats and we're going to think like a Hebrew for a little bit, and we're going to put ourselves back in the Old Testament, the past is our present. So that's why it's not history, it's my memory, it's my story, it's inside of me. Another, another rabbi said it like this, the past is with us today in the here and now. The Ten Commandments, God's revelation, the exodus from Egypt, these events didn't happen only once, thousands of years ago. They are always here, happening to us now, because they are an expression of our continuous relationship with God. So Hebrews, when they look back at these stories and they read these writings, it's like God just puts them in there and like, like they're, 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 they're going back into time. It's like they were there on Mount Sinai. With, like they were there when, when, the, when the Red Sea parted and like they walked through it. I mean, they were there. And, and in fact, when you look at the Jewish uh, Passover meal, let's look at that. Uh, everything about the Passover meal is about experience. In fact, there's things in there that represent present feelings of slavery and bitterness in the Passover meal. There's salt water, bitter herbs, poor man's bread, a matzah, and so on. And in fact, Judaism teaches that in, in Seoul, we are all present at Sinai. Each one of us personally encountered God. Consequently, God is not just the God of our ancestors, but he's my God. He's not just the God of Moses. He's my God. I was with Moses, when God told him, take off his shoes. I mean, I, it's, it's, this, it, it, it's not history. Another rabbi said like this, God commands us to remember these events because they are intended to have relevance for our lives today. In every generation, each individual must see himself as if he or she came out of Egypt. Came out of Egypt. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, don't forget. Can you do that? Tell them, don't forget. Jesus asked his disciples, again, here it is, don't you remember anything at all? Jesus is a Jew. The disciples are Jews. They're from a Hebrew nation. Jesus wasn't asking them, gosh, you have a bad memory. You remember that? Yeah, I was there. Remember that rock? Do you remember? Do you remember? He wasn't asking them that. He was asking them this. Do you remember your eyewitness experience of the miracles of God in your life? Do you remember that? Can you still see the hand of God in your mind when he put his hand on you? Does that past miracle live inside of you in this very, very moment? I mean, are you living today differently? Right now, are you living today differently because you have seen God work and move in your life? And hasn't that created this amazing, isn't there a consequence because you've experienced these things with God? You were there in the very front row. You were there when you saw God move. Aren't you living differently today because you experienced God in the past? Isn't the past living inside of your present? Aren't you different? Or have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? So in the Jewish mind, Jesus is saying, it's not about you remembering where you put your keys. Haven't you seen God move in your life? Haven't you seen God move and just do some crazy things in your life? 
Here's, here it is for us. Here, here's the message. God wants to build your long-term memory bank with personal breathing experiences of his presence. It's like God is building, you know, you're a walking database of his goodness. <laughs> you're a walking database of the presence of God. You're a walking database of his mercy and his grace over your life. You're a walking database. And the longer you walk with God, the more this database builds up. And you're like, I've seen God move. I've seen him move. I haven't forgotten what he has done in my life. I haven't forgotten it at all. And when you look at this passage, you get this idea of like Jesus takes this personal. And he's actually looking at them in a condescending way and saying like, what are you guys so worried about? Haven't you recognized the presence of God? Jesus is saying, look, my presence is enough. Every time you open your Bible, you are entering a new experience of God's grace, love, and purpose. Every time you open your Bible, it's like you're going on this adventure. <laughs> you're going every time, you know, you're reading through the Old Testament or the New Testament. You're reading through the Old Testament, you're reading about Moses or whatever it is, or about David running from Saul or whatever it is. It's like God just transposes, he puts you there in that place, and you can smell it and you can be a part of it. And it's like you can recognize the faithfulness of God like he's so good. And in the New Testament, you read Acts or whatever it is. It's like I'm there in the early church. I'm there in the upper room. I'm there right there. I mean, you know, you're just there. And every time you open up God's word, the past becomes your present and your faith increases. God wants certain memories to actually coexist with your soul, mind, and body. God wants that time he met you at camp to actually be living inside of you today. God wants that time when he spoke to you in the car to be living inside of you right now. God wants that time when he, he, he urged you and you went forward or whatever it is. He wants that moment to be living inside of you. You have a different perspective because you went through that. God wants that time when he put his hand on you and you felt him and you experienced him. That time when you prayed and you didn't have any groceries and groceries showed up or you needed a job and God provided. Whatever it is, God wants those moments to live inside of you and for you to live different because of those moments. How many of you had a moment with God? Raise your hand. I said, if you've ever had a moment with God, have you ever had a moment where God spoke to you? Well, God wants you to hold on to that moment. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. Can anybody relate to this? You don't worry today because you've seen how God has worked yesterday. <laughs> Can anybody relate to this? You don't worry about the unknown. You don't worry about the uncertainty. When the things happen in your life and they don't make sense, you don't worry about it. When things just seems like they're getting out of control, you don't worry about it because you know God is faithful and true and he's right and he's just and he's an all-seeing God, all-knowing God. Can anybody relate to this? Can anybody relate to you? I don't, I, I don't worry tomorrow because I've seen the way God has worked in my life. Amen. Can anybody relate to that? Put your hands together if you can relate to that just a little bit. Help me out. Oh my word. I did a little more research on this thing about memory and history and there's an article written by uh, some psychologists and they said this, long-term memory determines who you are, what you can do and, and how you see the world. So as I read that, I thought, wow, that's interesting. Like Jesus is onto something. Long-term, what are your long-term memories? 
What are you holding on to? Whatever you're holding on to is defining you. It's shaping you. And even more than that, it's shaping your perspective of life. It's shaping the way you view relationships. It's shaping the way you view everything in life. Your long-term memories affect your long-term view. So what are you holding on to that is maybe it's toxic and maybe you shouldn't be holding on to that long-term. Maybe the devil has a hold on you because he's letting you holding on to that hurt and it's been a long time, but you're not letting it go. It's not pride, it's foolishness. It's stubbornness. That's what it is. And the devil has a hold on you. What are you holding on to? Jesus makes it really clear. He wants you to hold on to the works of God in your life. I've been in ministry long enough, guys, <laughs> where I know what hurt feels like at all different levels. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I was in Divide, Colorado just last week for four to three days, and I'm part of a team that, that uh, interviews people who are pursuing a calling, and they're working on their ordination, which is wonderful. And I just want you to know God is still moving. Every single interview candidate that we met with is working through something, but they're going forward because Jesus said, follow me. Every one of them. It's beautiful to see. But even with our, our flaws, you see God working and moving. The disciples had these short memories. And I thought, why is it there's certain things that we forget? Why is it there's certain things we forget? I discovered, I discovered this. Uh, the, the more experience you've had with God, the greater expectation is that you think differently. Jesus has this expectation of you. For those of you, how many, you've been walking with Jesus, you've known him for more than a year. Raise your hand. You've known him more than five years. You've known him more than 10 years. You've known him more than 40 years. Whatever it is, the longer the experience you've had with Jesus, the longer you've experienced you've walked with God, the more you know there's a greater expectation that you are living differently from other people. Your faith is different. Your love is different. Your grace is different. Your mercy is different. That's the expectation that Jesus had with the disciples. He's like, don't you get it? What do you, don't you remember anything at all? Why are you arguing about bread? Why are you freaking out? Why are you doing that? And sometimes we have these short-term memory things. We forget things. It's actually related to attention, value, and reflection. The things we value are the things we, we pay close attention to. The things we value, we retain. How many of you remember the day you graduated from high school? How many of you remember the day maybe you got married? <laughs> okay, well, how many of you, maybe you remember the day that, uh, I don't know, maybe it was something else, the birth of your children. How many, I mean, that, how many remember that day? Okay, how many of you remember what happened like 10 days before those events? Yeah, it just got fuzzy, right? I don't remember 10 days before my kids were born. I don't remember 10 days before graduation. I was probably drinking or partying. I don't know what I was doing. I don't remember. I don't remember. But the actual event I valued, and it was etched into my memory, and I can see myself there. And Jesus is essentially asking the disciples, 
didn't you value what you saw? Didn't you value the presence of God? Did you not understand that the very presence of God was, did you not understand God spoke to you? Did you not understand the loving kindness of God? Did you not understand he was showing grace to you? Did you, do you not understand how he is taking care of you? Don't you value it? Why are you acting like it never happened? What's wrong? And Jesus is asking this question. He says, don't you remember Didn't you recognize the presence of God? Or did you take it for granted? Did you just expect? Did you just take it for granted? Verse 16 says, at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, what are you arguing about? Uh, (laughs) Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't Don't you know or understand even yet? Jesus is like, seriously? You're still hung up on this? Seriously? Are your hearts, oh, wow. Now look where Jesus goes. He goes, are your hearts too hard to take it in? Well, Jesus is, I mean, you can imagine these guys are arguing with each other. I could only imagine, you know, you know let me get a piece of bread over here, guys, because here's our fish and loaves over here. Here's our bread. I can only, I can only imagine <laughs> Them in the boat saying, you know, Simon Peter, is this all you brought? There were seven leftover large baskets, and this is all you, and I can hear him saying, well, it was Thomas's fault, and, uh, you know, he, she, and Thomas saying, no, it wasn't, it was John's fault, and, and John was over there loving on Jesus, and that's all he does. He's not helping out ever. I don't know what's John's problem. And it's like, no, 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 maybe it's Judas's fault. Maybe he threw, you know, I could, they're arguing. They're arguing about this bread, and they're saying, whose fault is it? Have you ever argued over dumb things? I, I, uh, yeah, we'll start right here with me. Have you ever argued over stuff and you thought, that was just stupid? There's no way to say that. Why was I so hung up on that? Why did I let that get under my skin? Oh, hello. Why did I let that fester with me? Why did I make a big deal about that? Wow. Now just flip this around. If you know God is good, if you know God is gracious, if you know God sees anything, why are you worked up about anything? Don't you know God provides? Don't you know he'll make things right? Why are you upset? Why are you arguing? What's wrong? Do you think your perspective is greater than God's perspective? Do you think you know more than God? Do you think you're, you're being arguing or whatever it is is actually producing anything? <laughs> I mean, do you, what, what is wrong? We can argue about dumb things. You know, sometimes, you know, I see this, this thing and, you know, they forget bread and all this stuff. And, and I, I, I wonder, um, like, whose fault is this? And then I think sometimes God delivers us from messes that we get ourselves into. I mean, sometimes we think, well, God only works when, um, when I, I'm in a situation and it wasn't my fault, right? Like there's a miracle territory kind of thing where, you know, this wasn't my fault and I'm a victim and now I'm in this situation and, or God's going to work in this health situation. This wasn't my fault. But I've learned many times God allows us 
to be in a situation. It's like he allows our stupidity to run its course. And he just wants, he just wants you to see his presence. It's like he's, he reminds us that we're not in control. We're not always in charge. We're not that wise. We can forget. <laughs> and God allows us to be in a situation where there's one bread on the boat. And we're like, how did this happen? And Jesus said, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Jesus connects their arguing with their hearts and understanding. They are arguing because they lack spiritual understanding. They are arguing because their hearts are hard. And they can't see who's in the boat because their hearts are too hard. Harder than this bread, guys. This is like real bread. I still wanted someone to come up and take a bite out of it, but I don't think that would be a good idea. But uh, Jesus makes this spiritual connection. And he says, don't you remember? But then he unpacks it and he says, here's why you don't remember. Because your hearts are hard. You have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. God's moving right in front of you, and you don't see it, you don't hear it, and you just turn your nose to it. You have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. And Jesus makes this connection. Hear this. Your lack of spiritual understanding and hard heart can affect, actually affect your ability to perceive what God is doing and understand his purpose. God could be moving right in front of you, but because of your spiritual hard heart, because of your lack of understanding, you can miss it. You can miss it. When we're self-centered people, all we do is look at ourselves. When we're self-centered people, all we want to know is do we're going to have enough to eat. When we're self-centered people, it's all about our feelings. It's all about me. It's all about me, and that's all I see. But when you turn to Jesus, Jesus shows you this new reality. Here's the truth. God is good to you because he's a good God. That's why. It's not because of you. I, I, I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not because of you. It's because he's a good God. The sun comes up on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? You're breathing right now. By God's grace, what did you do last night? And you're breathing still. By God's grace, what did you do last month? And you're breathing still. By God's grace, what does your heart look like right now? And you're still breathing. By God's grace, glory to God. God's a good God. He chooses to be good. I was at... King Supers today, I went to go get some sushi for lunch. I think I was good, right, baby? I went to go get some sushi for lunch, and, and I saw someone there that I, I hadn't seen this young man since he's probably, I don't know, 12 years old or something like that. And now the guy's getting older. I mean, he's starting 
Jesus is getting older. And uh, <laughs> it's funny how our bodies remind us that we're not meant for this world. You know what I'm talking about? Our, our bodies remind us that there's, there's an afterlife. <laughs> so I told him, I said, dude, you're getting older. You need to turn to God. What are you waiting on? That's what I told him. What, what are you waiting on? How long do you want to wait? God is good to you because he's a good God. The fact that they were arguing about this is evidence that they didn't remember what Jesus had done. Jesus had fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread, and there were 12 baskets left over. He fed 4,000 with seven loaves of bread, and there were seven large baskets of leftover. Um, this whole thing started because they forgot the leftovers. That's all this whole thing started. Somebody left the leftovers behind at Chili's or whatever it is. Like this whole thing, they went home and there was not enough food. They're on the boat and there's not enough food. Verse 14 says, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, don't forget. Don't forget. Here's the crazy question. Was it God's will for them to forget? You think so? I don't know. Was it God's will? You think God was testing their spiritual strength. Sometimes God lets you go into this place of desolation and whatever. He lets you go to that lonely place, that scar, that sparse, start sparse. That's the right word, sparse. This place of, of, of scarcity, this place of just almost nothing. And like God allows you to go to places where there's not a lot of resources to test your spiritual life. To test your roots. How strong are you in Christ? Are you really, do you really belong to Jesus? Have you really died to yourself? Really? And sometimes God allows you to go to these places where you have one, one loaf of bread on the boat. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I look at that and one of my questions is, well, like, what, what's the trigger point for me? I think we all have different trigger points. We're like, you know what? Um, is that what, are you, is your faith, is it about, worth about as much as one loaf of bread? I mean, will, will you just become a different person just that quick? You know what I mean? Is, is it just that? I mean, like, okay, this is it. This is my breaking point. This is my breaking point. There's one bread left. That's it. That's it. I'm done. That's it. I'm going to walk away from God. I'm going to, you know, oh, we lost the bread. We lost the bread. I can't believe we lost the bread. They probably threw it on the ground, guys. I'm just thinking they're like, there's no more bread. You know what I mean? I just have a feeling they just kind of did that. You know what I mean? I just have a feeling they did that. I mean, what's your breaking point? What is it? I love what Jesus, you know, just, just let me say it like this. What you have is enough for God to work with. They had um, some bread. <laughs> they got a little bit. They had some bread. And you know, Jesus, he's like, I'm in the boat with you. Stop arguing. Stop worrying. Stop being angry. Stop being hurt. Stop saying words to each other. Stop hurting each other. Stop blaming others. Jesus is saying, I'm in the boat. What you have is enough for God to work with. 
I think our problem is we just can be so self-centered and we have our own calculator about stuff and we're like, okay, one loaf of bread, if I there's 12 disciples plus Jesus, I don't know, Jesus can probably go without food for a while and we should make Thomas eat last because I've been weird about them. We're kind of good, but, you know, I, I'm thinking about these guys, Andrew, he's, gosh, lately he's been really getting on my nerves. So let's everybody take a piece, but gosh, we're on the boat and we don't have any food left. And we start thinking in our mind how this thing could work out. Jesus is in the boat. Get your calculator and throw it over the boat. It's no good. Because if you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. If you have Jesus, you don't have to worry. I mean, you don't have to worry. You can get worked up about stuff that doesn't really matter, can't you? I mean, it's possible for you to be angry about something that God is not angry about. Think about that. It's possible for you to hold on to something that God is wondering, why in the world are you holding on to that? It's possible for you to become upset easily about something that's not a real problem in God's eyes. It's possible to get, let something get under your skin that is really a non-issue in the, in the eyes of God. We can miss what God is doing because all you see is your perspective. You can miss what God is doing. Anytime you argue or stress or worry, it's evidence that what God has done in your life is not living inside of you. Take that one to the bank, baby. Anytime you argue or stress or worry, it's evidence that what God has done in your life is not living inside of you. There's some Hebrew interpretation in that quote right there because that's the expectation of Jesus it's not history it's memory and it's living inside of you it's part of you it's part of your DNA and it affects the way you love and the way you see things and you're just like a different person because I've seen him work in my life and he's been so faithful I worried at one time about how that was going to go down but I saw how God works everything out I'm not going to worry about that stuff anymore it smells familiar and I saw how God moved so I'm not I'm just choosing not to worry. I'm choosing not to let hurt or anger or worry or stress or anxiety live inside of me because I've seen God move and I haven't gotten over it yet. I haven't gotten over it yet. It lives inside of me. You follow what I'm saying? So if you raise your hand and you say, I've been walking with God for a long time, you just made yourself accountable to God as well. Because there's an expectation that God has. If you've been walking with God for a long time, your love should look different. The way you serve should look different. The way you give should look different. The way you trust God should look different. Your love for his church should look different. If you raise your hand, that's what you're saying to God. My love's different. So why are you worried about only having one loaf of bread? <laughs> Do you remember what God has done in your life? I believe the bread revealed the heart of the disciples. When they were feeding the 4,000 and 5,000 and they were passing out you know, the, the bread and, and you know, it's like fish tacos, right? They're passing out the fish and the bread to everyone. And when they were doing that, my guess is they were feeling pretty good. You know what I mean? 
That's my guess. I mean, that's, <clears throat> I gotta go back to my fish, fish and loaves over here. I'm bringing the whole thing over here. I'll make sure there's enough bread for tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> my guess is when they were passing this out, they were like the rock stars. Weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with him. <laughs> yeah, I get this all the time, man. <laughs> I just get it. But when they were left with only one bread, well, now their spiritual depth is exposed. Did you see that? Anybody can be a, you know, feel good about life when they're living like this. Be happy and positive and you know, life is good when the refrigerator is full, right? I mean, everyone can feel like that. Oh, but what happens? So what does your faith really look like? What does your relationship with God really look like? Let's leave you with one loaf of bread on the boat with 13 mouths to feed and let's see where you're at then. Let's, you know, God just, I think, sometimes allows us and, and maybe even orchestrates it beautifully and he allows us to go to this place where it's just us and him and we, we run into something that challenges our faith, it challenges our love, it challenges our trust in God and God just watches and says, what are you going to do? I mean, is this all it's going to take? Is this your breaking point? That's it. I'm not going to throw it over here again because it'll break. Do you remember what God has done in your life? I love the psalmist. He says this, chapter 63. He says, on my bed, I remember you. Think about this word in the Hebrew mind. This word, remember. It means the past is the present. I was in exile with the Israelites. I was on Mount Sinai with Moses. I was with David when he was in the cave. I was with David when he was facing Goliath. I was with Gideon at the wine press. I was with him when he was on that cliff and he was watching. I was with Elijah at Mount Carmel. And I was with Elijah when there was a still small voice. I was with Joseph in that prison cell. I was with Joseph when he revealed his identity to his brothers. I was with Moses when the Red Sea parted. I remember walking on the dry ground. Don't you remember? I was there. Don't you remember that? I remember that manger with that baby. And I remember the wise men. And I remember the shepherds when they heard a voice. And there was this host of angels. I was with John on the island of Patmos when he saw Jesus and his hair was white and his eyes were like flames of fire and he had bronze shoes and I was there when he saw Jesus on the island of Patmos. Were you there? Some of you have been there with me. And Jesus is saying, oh, don't you remember? Isn't it living inside of you? Isn't it? And, and the psalmist says, on my bed, I remember you. Oh, it is so good to go back at those moments where God has moved in your life. It is healthy for your soul to go back and say, well, I see the way God has worked then. Oh, that was so good, God. Maybe even write it down. Write it down so you don't forget. So, oh, I remember. Oh, look at this. I'm reading this. 
Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Never. May I never forget the day he saved me. May I never forget the day he met me in my bedroom. May I never forget the day he called me in Washington, D.C. May I never forget his faithfulness in my life. Never. If I forget, just let me die. Just let me die. Let me go see Jesus, baby. Psalm 42, he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Maybe this is you. I will put my hope in God. (laughs) I love that he's talking to his soul here. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will what? I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, and from the land of Mount Mazar. Some of you came to church, and you know what? Um, God wants you to remember. God's not done with you. Some of you, maybe you need to turn to Jesus, and that's your first step, just turn to Jesus. Others of you, maybe (laughs) if you truly do, if you truly do, remember. Maybe there's some things that you're holding on to in your long-term memory that needs to be thrown. Thrown into the lake. Maybe you just maybe the way you live your life now should be different, wherever you're at. I think this is all I got, guys. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I'm so grateful for your presence. I'm grateful for your spirit, God. I just have sensed your spirit here. Thank you. And this is your opportunity. If you want to turn to Jesus, why don't you just say this? Say, Jesus, I turn to you right now. I repent of my sins, and I ask you for forgiveness for my sins. And and as best as I know how, I want to become a Christian right now. Others of you who maybe consider yourself a Christian, and maybe you're like those disciples, and, and maybe you've had your breaking point, that one loaf of bread was too much. Maybe you need to turn to God and say, God, forgive me. I've seen too much. I've seen you move too much. So I want to let go right now. I'm going to release my worry, my stress, my anxiety, my hurt, my fear, my anger. I'm going to release to you. And I'm going to trust you, God. If it's not bothering you, God, it's not going to bother me. So have your way in my heart. Help me to remember every moment that you work in my life. Build up this database inside of me so that I'm a walking database of your goodness. And I can pull it out and draw from it as much as I can. And God, I want to ask also that you refresh my memory too. Remind me of how you moved in my life. May I never let go of those moments. May I live differently, walk differently, and see things differently because of those moments. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.
God is good. We all need his grace, don't we, friends? Um, I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate weekend to do communion than this weekend because everything is built about this idea of remember. Um, let me read some scripture out of uh, Corinthians um, to you here. Um, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. There it is again. In remembrance of me. So when we take communion... It's as if we were there at Golgotha. <laughs> it's as if we were there at that cross. It's as if we were there when we saw him on that cross and the blood, his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. There's no remission of sins. I mean, we were there when he was speared and we were there when the nails were in his hands and his feet. We were there and we're reminded of the great sacrifice that he did for us so that the wrath of God would be removed from our life and we could experience the forgiveness of God and that sacrifice would be enough. We were there. And, and we're reminded that this bread represents his body and this juice represents his blood. We were there. But we also believe we were there when Peter and John ran to the tomb and came back and said, he's not there. Glory to God. And we were also there in Acts when we saw Jesus ascend into heaven and said, I'll be back one day. And we live with that anticipation that one day Jesus will return. So we have these beliefs, core beliefs in our Christian faith that Jesus is the Son of God. He's God in the flesh. He went to the cross for us. He became a sacrifice, a Lamb of God who takes away our sins. He died for three days. He conquered death. Death, where is your sting? <laughs> and then he rose from the grave and he appeared to many, 500 plus, thousands plus. And he told Thomas, look at my hands, look at my side. Don't you believe? You believe now, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And we have this faith that we live with it. We are passing through this world this is not our forever home. We are citizens of heaven. And we live differently because of this faith. We look at scripture differently because of this faith. That's what communion is. <clears throat> Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We remember. It's in your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>